0: Inform, advocate, and involve seniors in discussing important social issues. In short, these podcasts will help us. You, in creating an age-friendly city for Vancouver today. Tomorrow the world. You can hear us everywhere podcasts are heard. Hello and welcome to Powered by Age, a senior-led podcast going 55 episodes from. I'm Charlotte Farrell, your host, and we're going to have a introductory news item by news power newsman Jesse. <laughs>
1: sure. Uh, it's a bit of a, well, we'll get to that in a sec. I do want to, before we get started, just uh, acknowledge that we're recording on the unceded territory of the Musqueam, Coquitlam, and tsleil peoples, perhaps more depending on where everyone is uh, joining us from. I also want to remind listeners and everyone here that the Powered by Age podcast is sponsored by the Government of Canada New Horizons for Seniors program and the 411 Seniors Centre Society. Uh, And also just uh, give you a reminder, if you were here last week, you might have heard about this, but if not, um, and maybe just as a reminder, if you did, um, the City of Vancouver is hosting uh, some dialogue sessions for their accessibility strategy, and they're looking for participants for these virtual sessions. Um, The date of the sessions is Tuesday, June eighth, from 10 to 12 PM. If you're interested in letting the city know um, what would help you to participate and feel included in your community, um, they're just looking to recruit some people for a two-hour long session with 10 to 12 participants. Um, You'll get an honorarium if you participate. Um, There's ASL and closed captioning provided for all the sessions. Uh, There's a facilitator and note taker. And if you want, you can get the questions ahead of time. But basically the idea is uh, they want community members to join the dialogue sessions to inform the creation of phase one for the accessibility strategy. Uh, The accessibility strategy will create a livable city designed for all people. Accessibility means being able to reach, understand, contribute to, and use the places, information, and services in our city. So if you, uh, anyone in this, Uh, who's recording today is interested in participating, or if anyone who's out there uh, listening is interested in participating, you can email karen.lai at vancouver.ca. That's karen.lai at vancouver.ca. Or you can get in touch with uh, Charlotte here, uh, pbaafc at gmail.com. Or if you're recording with us, uh, you can just let us know in the chat, and we'll forward your information to the right people.
0: Yes, just put yes, yes in the chat. (laughs) because they particularly are interested in knowing what people that participate in this podcast think. And it's one of the things that seniors have said is that we don't want to hear a review or have an opportunity to review something after you've done it. We want to be a part of the discussion. So we're looking to have four or five or all of you say yes, yes, and be uh, available to attend that. Today, We have a special guest. We have Doretta Law, who is the author of the short story collection, How Does a Single Blade of Grass Thank the Sun? Interesting question. And she is also uh, author of a poetry chapbook called Cause and Effect, and she's writing a comedic novel about an inept company struggling to open a theme park about death. Death is a subject that we've talked about, so it'll be interesting when we're able to support her in that project. Uh, Doretta, we we will uh, have you introduce yourself. But first, the thing we do at the beginning is have everyone just say your name, and if you could say one thing that you love about books or writing. We'll start with Anne.
2: My name
3: is Anne Drawst. And one of the things I like, about books is that they take me to different places and different times and introduce me to different people, people I don't meet every day.
0: Adine, would you introduce
4: yourself? Uh, I am Adine Dufour. Sorry I missed last week. Something came up. Uh, One of the things I love about books, I guess, I love history. And so I, I really love books that will take me back in time to the Middle Ages, and I just get totally lost in that. I love it.
0: Hmm. Thank you. Nancy?
3: I'm Nancy Sinclair, and I love, I love the feel of a book. I love the feel of a book. And I love um, studying. I love learning. And in particular, some of my main interests are personal development and spirituality. So I just I love getting absorbed in books, but I love the
5: the tactile feel of the book. Okay, Chris? Oh, I'm I'm Chris Marcy, and um, I'm going to follow on with Nancy. What I've discovered are the audiobooks from the Vancouver Public Library. And so what I've enjoyed about books is being able to select a book and be able to have it with me and walk around the house and do whatever I'm doing and continue to read, listen to my book. Thank you. It's been great. Uh, Diane? I love it. um,
6: I'm Diane Batcock, and I like, I love books. I always have since I was a kid. That was one of my favorite pastimes was reading and I still actually have the volume set, the young folks uh, classics from when I was a kid, the same ones I read. So they are very old and um, I learned a lot about, you know, a lot of wonder and magic is one of my favorite subjects, and also these days, it's more about understanding that it's not so unbelievable. Now I'm understanding the quantum behind it, and I like books for learning, and I like to actually collect books as well. I do collect books. I have a huge bookcase
0: on the other side of this wall. Wow, <laughs> uh, and it's a real one, not a screenshot. <laughs> Thank you. Jesse?
1: Uh, Yeah, I'm Jesse. And uh, I, I mean, I've always loved books. I I love to get lost in a book and uh, just be transported somewhere else. I I have also over the course of the pandemic reconnected with my public library. And I think I've read more eBooks in the last Fourteen months than I had in the previous previous like five years, so it's been nice to catch up on uh, a whole lot of stories.
0: Thank you, and so now that brings us to our star of the hour. Uh, thank you so much, Doretta Law, for taking time to talk with us. You are a prolific writer. What fuels your writing interests? Thank you, Charlotte, and
2: thank you everyone for sharing everything about you know, your, your reading and your passions. Um, I think I just really also like stories. Um, I think like everyone here, um, I love that kind of place travel and time travel that we can have through reading. Um, and so that kind of transfers to the writing. I'm always thinking about how, uh, when we write, we are, um, in many ways in conversation with the writers that we read. You know, it's just like, you know, I joke a lot that, you know, George Saunders doesn't know it, but you know, I've been having a one-sided conversation with him through the stories I write uh, since grad school. Um, So I think it's just this way of being able to participate in something that I love so much, which is reading um, and to be able to make something for other people who also like reading um, to be able to enjoy and think about and hopefully bring people um, just like some fun in their lives and also to provide a kind of, Um, connection for sometimes some of the difficulties that that we face and to really just kind of have that feeling that we're not alone. I think, um, you know, earlier uh, when you were telling me about um, how this podcast came to be and how, you know, it it's a way that has alleviated loneliness. In some ways, I feel like as readers, um, we're never alone because we have these amazing characters that are part of our lives and um, our imaginations kind of allow us to connect to these emotions that we might not be able to Uh, feel, uh, you know, in person during a pandemic, or because um, we're stuck at home for other reasons. So yeah, that's, I guess, uh, a long way of saying that writing is just so transformative for me. And that's why I keep going back to it.
0: Now, speaking of reading, are you going to share a bit of one of your books with us? Yes, so um, I'm going to read from my
2: short story collection. listeners won't be able to see, but I'll show the cover to everyone who's in the Zoom. Um, So my book's called, How Does a Single Blade of Grass Thank the Sun? Um, It's a short story collection. And I'm gonna read uh, five minutes from a story called Writing in Light. Um, And it's a story about looking at uh, the work of Vancouver artist, Jeff Wall. Um, So Writing in Light. One, Curtis called me at 9.30 waking me. I pretended I had been awake for hours, but he knew better despite having met me only twice. A few days earlier, he had promised he would take me through Jeff Wall's latest New York exhibition before it closed, but we hadn't confirmed our appointment. Good morning, I meant to wake you, Curtis said. I'm at the gallery, they wanna shut off the power, so you should arrive on the early side of 10.30, say 10.15. 10.15, I repeated, see you then. I removed a book about Robert Smithson from a pile of clothes sitting on a chair so I could find the black dress I wanted to wear. For the last few months, i had been thinking about Smithson's art, dinosaurs, fossils, and skeletons. Somehow I believed that these elements would work in my thesis screenplay, though I wasn't sure what story I was trying to tell. I dressed quickly, but I was careful to look, as my mother might put it, presentable, in case I needed to deal with a gallery assistant. Girls who sat at the front desk of art galleries scared me, more so than record store clerks once did. Many things frightened me during this time. Germs, vampires, suspension bridges. But I feared people the most. I discovered it was warmer on the street than in my apartment. My room faced a courtyard that didn't get much sunlight. An ex-boyfriend believed that an episode of Law & Order had been shot below my window last year. It seemed like There was always a television show or a movie being filmed in our neighborhood, and then I was moving between reality and fantasy whenever I left home. Although the walk to the 116th Street subway station was a short one, I began to wonder if I would make it to the gallery located Midtown by 1015. For a moment, I considered taking a taxi, a luxury I could rarely indulge in, but the urge to be economical overrode the need to be on time. I walked to the subway stop and waited on the platform. The train seemed to take forever to come, a trick of perception. I leaned forward to see if I could spot the lights. It was dark in the tunnel. I began thinking of Jeff Wall's double self-portrait, 1979. Two. In double self-portrait, the artist looks at us from the corner of his eye. There are two Jeffs in the photograph, one wearing a white shirt with the sleeves rolled up, one in indigo rinsed jeans, and a gray sweatshirt with sleeves pushed back. The Jeff in jeans is wearing a watch. The other Jeff, the one in the white shirt, has his arms crossed, so it's impossible to know if there is a timepiece on either wrist. Behind the two Jeffs is a couch with a pink blanket on it. Jeff with a watch, the one who possesses the technology to measure the passing of time, is touching a papasan chair that's missing its cushion. The chair is white and looks to me like bleach bones in the desert. The man and his doppelganger are positioned within a room, perhaps located in a building in Vancouver, but that is of little importance. What matters is look on Jeff's face, the way he is peering at us, out at us, peering in at him. Three, on the train, there was a sleeping couple sprawled on the seats across from me. During my first semester of grad school, I took a photography class with Thomas Roma, who often quoted Robert Frost in his classroom critiques. When I looked at Roma's photographs, even the ones of gospel singers and lovers asleep on the subway, I thought of Frost's poetry. One afternoon two days after I cried during his critique of my photographs. Roma told me he thought writing and photography were the most similar of all the arts. He was certain that taking photographs would help me with my writing. He had once compiled a collection of photographs thinking only of Norman Mailer while he worked. That night, while reading a textbook for a film theory class, I discovered that photography is derived from a Greek word that translates to writing in light. This gave me comfort. I concluded that every art form was a way of telling a story. A record of a particular moment in time, even in cases where there was no discernible narrative. Through word and image, I would find a direction for my work. I could write in light. Thank you. Uh, that's just a section from the story.
0: Questions or comments? Nancy? Powerful writing. I, I,
3: I just I just caught in the, in the words, in the description. I, I love the... Um, just little things about the taxi, you know, that uh, choosing economics over being punctual. <laughs> I just, <laughs> I just love the, the use of, of your language and, and just just being able to imagine everything as you described it. It was just beautifully written. Thank you.
2: Thank you. You
0: know, Someone Diane. Was
2: telling
1: me. Oh, sorry. Uh, <laughs>
0: I was going to say, we it operates like a, an auction around here. If you move, you you get chosen and you bought it. <laughs> uh, did you have a comment? <laughs> okay, well, you were going to respond, Doretta. Charlotte.
2: You're you're telling me that um, uh, a lot of the the Zoom participants are writers. Um, did any of you want to talk a bit about? your writing practice and, and you know, your relationship to writing. Not to put anyone on the spot.
0: <laughs> Aideen shared something the other week. What, do, what, do, what, do you, what about your process? You're resuming. Some of you are resuming writing again. Uh, no, I haven't resumed writing. That was
4: a, a short story I had written a few years ago about way in the past, <laughs> when I was young. Um, I I don't write, like I don't just sit down and decide to write. I have to be inspired by a specific event or person. And so all my poems have been very specific to a, an event or a person. And so most of them I don't feel are suitable for for sharing, they don't have that much sense in a general way. Um, The only thing I ever wrote at length was a a 40 page memoir of two and a half years spent in Africa. Uh, And I did that at the request of my son. Uh, That's the only thing that I have written uh, sort of at any length. So I, I am absolutely fascinated by listening to all of you, but I haven't yet decided to try and resume writing. I may, but I'm not there yet.
0: <laughs> uh, Chris has written some things that are very stirring and, and thought-provoking. What about your process? Or what did
5: you think about what you heard? Um. Well, one of the things that I, I really liked um, in the piece that you read was the juxtaposition of of the two characters and that image of uh, of the two guys. It was qu- quite thought provoking um, for me how how different they were, and 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 I think that's true of so many of us that we we show different. We show different faces in different parts of our personality um, to, in, in different situations. So that was, that was interesting for me. Um, my own writing, um, many times, by many people, uh, I've been told that I need to write a book. <laughs> and uh, I've always said, oh, yes, yes. Um, partly because of the experiences that I've the, that I've had in my life and I've been very fortunate to have had many very rich experiences. So um, I am in the process of writing short pieces and working on um, one one piece at a time. I, I don't seem to have um, I don't seem to have the ability to just sit down and to, and to write something chronologically what i what i seem to do is um a a bit like okay i get an idea or i remember something i remember an event i remember something that happened and then i can sit down and i can i can write about that so i'm at the point now where i have a whole bunch of these individual pieces written um, and and we're still with lots of gaps, but trying to find. I, I need to, and I think I'm at the point where I need to print some of these out, and then put them together and see what it looks like, uh, if it looks like anything as one piece, uh, and then and then find the gaps and and fill in the gaps. So that's kind of um, my process. It's very um, eclectic. If if I think of something or something, we have a prompt in our writing group that brings something up for me, then I then I'll respond to that prompt. I, I'm, as you were saying there, Aiden, I'm, I'm not I, I can't think about writing long pieces. So all my pieces are, sh- are tend to be short and may become a longer piece when it's done. <laughs>
0: Derek, what was your experience in writing um, short stories? How did you find or how did you choose to put them together in uh, how does a single blade of of grass give praise to God? (laughs) Um,
2: Well, I I think it was partially just from being in, um, an academic workshop setting. Um, I decided that it's too much to try to get someone to think of an entire novel when they're just seeing piece by piece. Um, and it was just a better learning experience to write short so that I could get feedback over 10 pages. Um, and also because I, you know, I also had trouble envisioning writing something a lot bigger. Um, I couldn't see the structure for that. So there's something about a short story where I think all of us were capable of sitting down somewhere, telling a story from start to finish, and there's something that is just you know, so ingrained in all of us where we we have the power to do that with our voices. Um, and so I think that that was why the short story form felt so right, even as fiction, to be able to start something and take someone through a journey that was maybe 15 minutes long. It might take 10 years to write, but um, that the reading experience might be, a you know, 15 minutes of someone's day um, and that they can kind of take all of it in and be able to think about it that way. Um, and it was just easier to be able to sit down and write and see it all. Um, with the novel, sometimes I feel like I'm holding everything in my head, even though I have an outline. Um, and I'm able to sit down and, and write small sections. I'm not writing it from start to finish, um, the way someone like Zadie Smith does, where she says that you know she begins with the first sentence, and when she writes the last one, the book is done. Uh, my book is not like that. My book is a giant sprawling thing where I've already written the end and I have two chapters that I've just been circling around. I was doing that right before I I got on this Zoom with all of you, um, just trying to fix dialogue, move people through scenes. I find that personally to be very hard to do, to, to capture you know, the motion of human beings you know, in group settings is, is one of those things that in fiction, I'm just like, all right, I gotta just sit down and, and do this writing, even if it's difficult.
0: We've been talking at some points about death and how people are dealing with the subject of death. Why did you, or what inspired you to do a comedic novel about an in company that's trying to open a theme park about death.
2: I have just had so many different jobs and so many different offices um, or in in retail settings. And I just sort of it's like an accumulation of all of the um, sort of organizational disasters that happen at different offices. And I just started kind of seeing that there was like a grim humor in um, really bureaucratic offices. Um, What really kind of sparked the initial idea was a colleague showed me a form because we needed someone to test a website. And when he needed to get six signatures on it in order to allow the freelancer to have a pass to get through the door so that they would be able to go use the washroom uh, in, in, during the day of testing. And it was just like six signatures and it's six signatures of people who don't handle their own paperwork. So it's six secretaries who are handling, you know, you know, these, this paperwork. And I just was like, how much time is being wasted when we're trying to open, um, in this case, uh, a visual culture museum? Uh, How much time are we wasting not actually making the content, making, you know, these wonderful educational moments um, for the public to enjoy? uh, Because there's just all this paperwork. And so in my mind, I was just like, there's something here to just talk about bureaucracy, to talk about work, to talk about the ways that things are set up that fail us, to talk about capitalism. Um, And then I just thought it doesn't really work if I centered it in something real. And so I thought, why not a theme park and a theme park about um, death, a theme park about death dying in the afterlife? And it sort of kind of grew from there. And I really started writing it seriously after my dad died. Um, And then um, my mom died last year um, in November. And so I think it's just like that is kind of one of the things that's really driving the book um, is this relationship to, you know, the mortality of, you know, important people in our lives. Um, Just want to, and to just look at the way We handle death and that, um, you know, maybe there's an afterlife, Uh, you know, most traditions and cultures around the world envision an afterlife. and There's something kind of, uh, it gives me hope to know that, you know, my parents are kind of out there in the afterlife, uh, hanging out together. Um, Yeah. So I guess that's a a long way to say um, I just like had a novel idea and really um, the personal kind of aspect of dealing with like personal grief kind of sparked it. And I think like the comedy is that, you know, if things aren't funny, then it's sometimes it's just like I don't want to sit in a kind of like depressive space every time I sit down to write. So I wanted to make myself laugh every time I sat down to, to deal with a lot of these things for myself.
0: Well, I think that's a great service for many people because um, to just dwell on the morbidity or the sadness, but uh, last week, I, I had a very healing experience in writing a, a a tribute poem to my mom a year after she had passed, and I found the poetry was so healing because there were different things that I never really got to address or say thank you for in life that I could bring out through the poems. I don't know Have any of you else had an experience like that about writing about death or a particular person in poetry or any form? I wrote a a poem
4: uh which was read at the funeral of a very dear friend whom we had lost, this was about three years ago. Um, Like I said, it's always some particular event or person that gets me to write a poem. And this was a very, very, very dear friend who was um, passionate about clocks, used Mm -hmm. to buy old broken down antique clocks and bring them down to his basement and work on them for hours, and he would get lost in this, and so my poem with the idea was that his clocks had stopped and um, but uh, so that was a a funny experience which <laughs> I have once a year related to death, on which I desperately need, because it's important for me to be able to see a lighter you know brighter side to that. I get a form from my insurance company every year asking me if I'm still alive. (laughs) (laughs) And i duly fill this out and send it back saying, yes, I'm still alive and kicking. And, you know, (laughs) my husband and I just break up every year that they would send this thing to me. You know if I'm dead
0: or
4: not so <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> on the lighter side.
5: <laughs> oh,
0: that's good. Uh, Diane, you had something you wanted to say? Um there's actually a few different
6: topics all mulling around in my head oh just over the past few comments, but um yeah I I like the talking uh, the description really really helped bring the images to um, to the story so my writing experience has really evolved was um, I learned to write um, um, basically yeah with a using a therapy of non-dominant handwriting and that evolved into writing for other people and often it was, I've written quite a few eulogies for my own family as well as for others because some people, a lot of people can't really pull their feelings together or express them and so I did offer that as, you know, to help everybody actually and just bringing that emotion to words was difficult for them so I did that for a while. Then I got into, um, you know, writing field guides um, and then writing promotional material, newsletters, uh, writing to to encourage people to invest in a company kind of thing. Also, now I write for my clients, I write copy and I create blurbs to, you know, little ideas to get people just curious and everything. As for my own writing, I get ideas to write. I write songs um, and because I have have them come to me. And then I took a script writing course, which was very intense, and I based it on an old idea that I had years ago, turned it into a script, and now I'm in the process of turning that script into a novel. And so that's where I'm at. But every time I get started back into it, it's like, oh, another new idea. Oh, another little branch. And then something else wants to come and says, is the story ever going to be over? Even though I'm always excited to f- find what happens next, that's what I'm finding with writing this story, is, is what's going to happen next. Like with every other writing that I do, it's it's more conscious, right? But this particular story is like, I don't know what's going to happen next because it hasn't landed in here. So I find that the exciting part of writing this story.
0: Mm-hmm. That's a great excitement. Um, Nancy has a question for you, Doretta.
3: Hey, Doretta, I was just wondering, you know, what is what would your suggestions be? Because I, I think that, you know, they say that everybody's got a book inside of them. And, and in terms of process or taking ideas and, and, and really filtering it and, and making a decision, because, you know, like I tend, I, I do love writing. I'm probably more of a journaler than a writer. And but I have all these ideas and I've started all sorts of different books. I've contributed to a couple of different books. But to take, you know, to take these downloads, this inspiration of something that comes through, like maybe it's a particular topic or or like Diane was saying, something happens that sparks an interest. And you know, so what would your suggestions be to people to to take that creativity? And and find a way, because I know that there's lots of different, you know, writing programs that people can get involved with. And they'll say, you know, do this or sit down and maybe do like morning pages every day. Just clear your head, you know, write for 15 minutes no matter what. And sometimes that can be, for myself, it can be difficult. It's just like putting the pressure on. I find when I'm walking around, I, I do a lot of walking, a lot of hiking. And so I have all these thoughts that flow through my mind. You know, and, and I've even tried to, I've recorded it sometimes, but I still don't seem to be able to keep up with all those thoughts that seemed so amazing at the time. And then if I sit down, okay, now I'm going to sit and formally write, it's just like, you know, what was that inspiration because it, it's no longer with me. So I was just curious what ideas you may have.
2: Oh, thanks for this question. I, I think about this a lot because for me personally when I first started writing it was it was really difficult to sit down and actually execute the ideas. I think um, earlier, Uh, Chris was saying, you know, writing in, in, in small sections, I think that that's so helpful. Um, There isn't that pressure. I think the idea of having an entire book is such an enormous pressure to kind of start from. Um, And I really like that idea of writing in, in small spurts um, because I think um, just one of my teachers at school always said, you know, you're making clay, you know, you're gathering, you're gathering the clay. Um, And so I think, you know, you allow it to be generative, you can allow it to be expansive, you can write without judgment. And as that accumulates, um, you're you're gonna be able to kind of look at everything that you have um, and to start seeing themes that are emerging to see the things that are the most powerful um, things that are really calling to you that keep coming back that you know you realize that you're circling around you know some really important ideas that really need to be expressed and i think that that's the point where instead of um, putting yourself in in this um, kind of under pressure to decide upon the idea from the start and to then kind of set these limits and boundaries to start from that expansiveness and to start, you know, moment to moment. And then once um, that flow is coming to then sit down and evaluate and kind of be able to go through the ideas. And I think too, um, you you know, there's a lot of writers that say, Right, every single day and that doesn't account for the fact that you know not everyone has that in their day because of various responsibilities um, because of health reasons and I think that the thing that's most important is you know we find those pockets of time for us that we can you know maybe block off on our calendars and it doesn't have to be this pressure of the daily and that if an idea does come up that we can have a notebook or index cards where we just write a sentence where, you know, if it comes to mind, capture that sentence. That might take 10 seconds, and you don't need to immediately there drop everything, um, but that um, that will always be there for you when you're able to set aside that time to devote to thinking through that one sentence that you wrote one day. Um, I think that that's one of the things that's so important that um, we're not constantly um, under this idea of we have to be productive, that we have to kind of turn the writing into this sort of um, factory kind of line, assembly line approach um, that has this nine to five to it. It's just like, That works great for some people, but I don't think that that um, is the answer for everyone. And I think that we can just be so gentle about our writing practice and to just say it's coming to me now and I will just always be open to ideas and I will record them as they come. But that doesn't mean that I have to write for an hour when the idea comes. It can mean that I just put it down on a piece of paper, you know, within those 10 seconds and then, you know when I'm feeling, you know, up to it, I can kind of sit down and devote that time. And I think that's, uh, for me, the way that things work best. Um, And uh, I mean, sometimes it is just that kind of more grueling sitting time, but it really is just kind of being open to allowing the writing to be what it is. Makes sense.
3: Do you write when you're, do you choose your stories and then Find your title from your stories, or do you find your title first and then build your stories to your title?
2: Um, it's a little of both, but I am a person who's very driven by titles. So the title of the novel that I was talking about earlier is called "We Are Underlings," and it kind of came to me because I was curious. Um, about the young adult novel, The Fault in Our Stars by John Green. And I just thought, you know, where does that come from? And so I Googled it and it's a reference to, to Shakespeare. And, um, and so I read the full quote and, you know, uh, the full quote is something like, the fault is not in our stars, but in ourselves, in that we are underlings. And I just thought Julius Caesar is actually one of the ultimate workplace dramas. Uh, Sure, it's like not a workplace like our workplaces, but it's the same kind of struggle. And I think that that it's just like, you know, greater people have written masterworks. And, you know, I can, I I have this like opportunity to take from the language that they've already put into the world and relate that as titles. So I think um, a lot of times when I'm working with people, I'm always just like, titles do matter. Um, because titles can create this space that doesn't exist. Um, that we, when we make works that are untitled, it, it doesn't feel like there's a direction as much as when, you know, we have that place to go to. So, yeah, title for me is just, like, a pretty big part of, of writing.
0: Uh, Thanks, <laughs> sports <laughs> seems to be also one of your interests and you do a variety of writing. How does that uh how does it work out when you're writing about different things? Sorry, what what was the I couldn't I sports seems to be one of your oh, interests. sports. Yes. Oh uh
2: yeah, so it yes, yeah, sports it's one of those things I wasn't particularly athletic um as a child, but um I don't know. I like watching people do amazing things. Um, and I did train for a very long time um, in karate um, and uh, I went to the BC winter games. One of the random things, that i did in high school is i actually have a gold medal from the bc winter games from karate um, so it was one of those things that taught me that like even if i'm not naturally good at something uh training can take me there which has really helped with writing um so i think i don't know there's just something about sports where it's the entire range of emotions you know you you go watch a sporting event there's all these humans who have devoted their lives to being great, you know, just like putting it all out there. Um, sometimes it might just be 10 seconds of time that completely changes someone's life. Um, sometimes it's, you know, 82 games and a whole bunch of playoff games. There's just something kind of so amazing about how uh, it creates community moments. Um, it in many ways uh, sports uh, now functions in a way that you know pop culture um, doesn't anymore because we're not all watching the same television shows at the same time or experiencing the same radio kind of programs in the same way but sports remains one of those things that happens at a specific time um, that people around the world are experiencing within a certain time frame. And so I think like there's just something about that that right now, really interested in because I miss the fact that before, you know, we would be able to have these conversations around pop culture just because, you know, certain songs would be on the radio as we were, you know, driving or going to buy something at the store and that's not the case anymore. And we're watching television in different ways. Um, and yeah, and there's just something about um just seeing that kind of greatness in young people, um, I I don't know, it's just really exciting to see young people do amazing, amazing things. Um, It's kind of hopeful. And um, I also really just like seeing how now athletes are really thinking about their careers and having this real control over what they do and really giving back in their communities. Like I look at what some athletes do and it really is inspirational and thinking about, you know, um, how to organize? How to um, really just think about how to serve a community? Um, yeah. So th- this is this is one of these things. It's just like sports figures in my novel, even though it's about work, because one of the characters really likes basketball.
0: I, I noticed we had something in common because in one of your Twitter feeds, you were talking about the Raptors and <laughs> the hope of now getting a good uh, draft as. No, no hope for the championship exists. <laughs>
2: uh, I was sad when they got eliminated, even from the play-in games.
0: Uh, for those who might have tuned in late, we've been talking with Doretta Law. She's the author of a short story collection, a poetry chapbook, cause and effect. She's writing a comedic novel, and she has dispelled any idea that people have said, just stick with one thing, or stick with one theme as a as a writer, that you've been able to uh, choose and enjoy writing. There's something that you're offering in June that I think people would be interested in uh, as part of being uh, one of the Vancouver Writers Fest featured authors. What is the workshop you're presenting? Okay, so it's a workshop that's
2: called My Roots um, and. Uh, a a donor has uh, made it possible to have this workshop be free Um, it's uh, aimed at immigrants to Canada Um, it's on Saturday June 5th and Sunday June 6th from 1pm to 3pm Pacific time Um, there is a registration through the Writers Fest so that's writersfest.bc.ca and if you have a look on their website um, you can look for the event My Roots um, and sign up uh, I think usually what happens is there's a lot of interest and so um, I think they they select uh, a small group of people so that we're able to have a conversation. So hopefully uh, if um, you're able to sign up, uh, you're able to get a spot. So have check that out. Um, last year, we had a really good time um, working through just writing about place. Um, together on Zoom. So it was like one of the first Zoom writing workshops I'd ever done. And uh, I found that it really was really helpful. We just kind of do these five minute writing exercises and kind of get unstuck um, from, you know, uh, any sort of blocks that we might have around writing about places and memories and things like that.
0: Well, thank you for coming. And this is just the beginning because we are with Powered by Age and calling jump into June, we're going to have uh, more trainings and activities. Sometimes on in the past, on a Tuesday, we've had a training first on how to get onto Zoom. We had some orientation and small group training for people on how to read their stories or read their poems. And they are recorded on our Powered by Age uh, podcast in the section called Spins, Stories, Poems, uh, Interviews, and Novelties. So that's something that any of you who are listening or who are part can uh, indicate in the chat box or indicate by email you're interested in. And then we also want to invite you to come back because there are some people within our group who are looking at how do you make money? How do you get published? And I understand that's something that you teach seniors and others about.
2: Oh, yeah. I I was teaching a class on preparation for career writing at UBC and I've learned a lot and I would love to share more about the ways that it's possible to make money from writing and get our work to more readers.
0: Okay. Well, we will look forward to reading your work and having you back. Thank everyone for tuning in today. We look forward to seeing you again and, um, That's it for me, Sister C. Charlotte Farrell. Anyone else have a parting comment you want to make? Wendy, we welcome you, and we look forward to hearing your stories and seeing you again next week as well. Sorry sorry I was so late in finding the the link. But now you have it. So uh, tell a friend. We are welcoming other people to take part in the podcast. From the same invitation or email that you had, you can give them the address, but also pbaafc at gmail.com is a way for people to get in touch with me so that we can enter your name and your email address in our calendar uh, invites. And also by giving us your phone number, we're not going to sell it to anyone, but by having your phone number, it helps Mm -hmm. with the security as Jesse is watching to make sure we're not getting bombed by one of the sick minds that likes to play jokes on zoom (laughs) by having your number. If you just show up as a phone number, we'll still know who you are. So one o'clock next week, we look forward to having you again on powered by age.